0: All things are possible, and you can be authentically Gay with the God of your understanding. I am your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Gay with God. I have a treat for you today. I have a return guest. We are going to go deeper with Jackson, J.P. Rose. And um, after our last conversation, uh, Jackson said that, you know, there were some parts of, the, of his life that uh, he experienced going through the church, and he wanted to go a little deeper and give you guys more information, and I was more than happy to bring him back. Before we um, go deeper with Jackson, I do want to give you guys a heads up that um, starting July 14th through the 17th, I have been invited again to the Wild Goose Festival, where I will take the Gay With God podcast and do a live taping at the festival. Now, here's where you come in. If you would like to be a live guest at the Wild Goose Festival, then I have already paid for your ticket, so I will not be paying for your food, (laughs) but if you bring your tent, you can camp with me, and you can be a live guest on the podcast From the Wild Goose Festival. So that's July 14th through the 17th. We will not be doing a podcast all of those days. I don't know which day I will be going live with my podcast, Gay with God, but if you're interested, and coming and being my live guest, then email me at empoweredmidge at gmail.com. And we will talk about the particulars. So I'm excited about that and want to plug that and also let you guys know that it's a wonderful festival. And there's a lot of cool things that are always going on at the wild goose. So come and meet us at the goose cast tent. So Again, I would like to say hello to Jackson, and just to remind you that Jackson, who is sometimes called JP, is 42 years old and originally from upstate New York. Jackson was assigned female at birth, but knew by the age of two that he was in the wrong body. He insisted that he was a boy at home and at school. He was put through conversion therapy at school, but they never called it that. I was, he was told that it was a club for a select group of kids. He was forced to wear feminine clothes growing up as well as keeping his hair long. At one point, he even had to make a promise to only date men in order to live at home. He grew up attending a church in 2006. When he was 27, he moved into his own apartment and started attending a non-denominational church. He was immediately treated differently because he was a girl that dressed like a guy. He had short hair and always wore khakis and a polo shirt to church. After moving to North Carolina in 2012, he felt more comfortable being himself. The first church he attended was also very restrictive, so in 2014, he found an inclusive church. He knows that God had a hand in putting him here, in North Carolina, and in this church. In 2020, he transitioned to male, and he doesn't regret it at all. His church the pastors and the congregation have loved and accepted him unconditionally. He hopes that by telling his story, he will bring more awareness of what it's like to be transgender, that not only does God not make mistakes, but he put me on this earth just as I am to help people understand that being LGBTQ plus is not a choice. We were born this way. Jackson, welcome back to Gay With God.
1: Thank you. Uh, And I would just like to add, that since the last Gay with God recording, I have had a birthday, and I'm in a now 43 years old.
0: <gasps> Woohoo! <laughs> and see, here I was cheating by just using the other one. <laughs> but yeah Yeah. happy birthday
1: not acknowledge my birthdays but you know everyone else did so I guess I have to celebrate it
0: that's right that's right every day above ground and still breathing we need to celebrate especially on the day that we were deposited here so (laughs) so yay welcome back so I just want to turn it over to you and tell us your deeper story
1: you know I thought about it after the last time and I was like I really want people to understand that church abuse is not just physical Mm -hmm. and you know by telling my story and what i went through maybe other people will realize that it's it's not just you know oh well you know i've heard the catholic church that and it's not just the physical part it's the mental part it's the psychological part and it's not just the catholic church it's all churches And the way that I was treated because I was different, some people wouldn't even call that abuse. Mm. So by telling my story, I want people to see that it does happen. And this scarred me for life, like every experience. That's all I think about now when I think about my old church communities. And I try not to let it bring me. Back to that point because I'm at a point now where I'm happy and healthy, and I don't want to experience that again. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's why I appreciate so, you telling this story because it will take you back to some of those emo- emotions and reignite that pain. And I appreciate you choosing to do that and reaching back out and asking, could we go a little deeper uh, because you felt like it was important. So, you know, please do.
1: So, uh, you know, grew up very sheltered. And I remember one of my first church experiences. I don't know the denomination, but my father had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And my mom started dragging us to this very small church in the next town over. And I think it was a friend of my grandmother, and that was, you know, so it was recommended that we go there because we didn't go to my grandmother's church. And I remember going in and my mom would just keep praying that my dad would not die. And like, why, why are we here? I know that, you know, people die, even people that are faithful to God, God cannot and will not keep people here because we're going to church all of a sudden. Right. So I, my sister and I would sit through this and my brother and, and most of the time the pastor would talk about, oh, at work today or at work yesterday or at work on Tuesday or at work, you know, uh, and he was constantly talking about his experiences at work. I thought, what does this have to do with God and the scripture and the Bible? and And it didn't. It was, you know, the. The kids were always it was sit through the service and then we were always sent downstairs to do other things while the grown-ups talked. But my sister and I were 18, 19 years old. So we knew better. So we were upstairs and you know, we don't go downstairs and every now and then we would go downstairs with the kids, but that was by choice. And when we sat upstairs, it was more uh, this guy talking about his work relationships. Very rarely did he read scripture. Very rarely did he talk about God. And I thought, what are we doing here? And after a while, I realized this is not church. This is coffee hour. People would go there to vent. Mm. And it really had nothing to do with God. And so I was wondering what I was trying to get from this. Like, what are, why are we here and my mom loved this church but it it wasn't that it was a church she loved it because she got the attention that she was looking for
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and all these people said they would pray for my my dad and for our family but that was it that was the extent of the church and nothing else that was there was there was no fellowship there was no conversation it was just a click a giant click Mm. and I hated it so eventually my father passed away and obviously we stopped going to church (laughs) because my mom believed that you know oh well he's gone there's nothing to pray for anymore oh my and you know I let it go and went to college and didn't go to church again until I was 26. And it was right after I moved to my first apartment. And I woke up one morning, it was a Sunday morning. I'm not a morning person, for anyone that knows me, they know I'm not a morning person. (laughs) I know we just had that conversation. Yes, we did. (laughs) And you know, my, my reason for getting up early that day was I had just a month earlier moved into this apartment and I had gone to bed early the night before and wasn't tired anymore. So I woke up. And I'm like, okay, I'll get dressed. But then I felt led some, for some reason, somehow, like fully get dressed, shoes, and to get in my car. So I did that. And I just felt this overwhelming urge to start driving. So I got in my car. I started driving downtown. And I'm like, okay, I need to turn here. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know a lot in the city, which, you know, my hometown is a very small city. And I just felt led to turn left here, turn right there, take another right. And I was driving down this side street that I really had never been on and saw this guy walking down the street. And I just had this sense that I needed to follow him. And he as he's walking, he's, he turns and he goes into this big building. I said, I need to follow him, and I'm not sure why. So I pull up a little further. I see that it's a church. I thought, oh. So I pull in, oh, there's a parking spot, one parking spot, and it's right in front of the church. I, I, I laughed. I said, wow, that's good luck. And parked and looked on the door, and it said, services start at. Think it was nine o'clock and it was 8 45 oh wow i guess let go see what this is about and i walk in the doors and i was greeted by two women that were sitting in this front area on benches they were waiting for the service to start but they immediately got up greeted me and said you know welcome what brings you here and i said well i, I followed that man in here I just felt like I needed to come in here. And she goes, what man? And I said, and I described what he was wearing. I said, this, you know, he literally like two minutes before I walked in. And they're like, honey, we just unlocked the door. Nobody has come in in this door. It's been my mother and I sitting here for the last 40 minutes. And huh. I was like, okay, that's weird. Maybe uh-huh. they're wrong. And then 10 minutes passed by and, you know, you hear the noise inside. So these two women and I go in, and I don't see this guy that I followed anywhere. Wow, like that's weird. And I, I was looking really hard. I, I did not see him. I did not see anyone related to that. Like this guy was full head of hair, uh, and that was really hard to find in this church. Um, <laughs> and he had like a certain color suit on, and I was like, he's not in here at all. It was kind of creepy, but I, you know, shook it off and said, well, you know, whatever, I'm here. And, you know, of course, a new person walking in the church, everybody's flocking towards me and, and welcoming me and, you know, good to, good to have you here. And I sat towards the back because, you know, past experience uh, in college whenever we had to visit a church for our religion class, you always sat in the back just in case you didn't like it and had to sneak out. Uh And that's what I did. So I I didn't sneak out, but I sat in the back and sat through the whole service. And I was like, wow, this is, this is cool. I just learned a lot about the Bible. I learned a lot about God and how we are to live certain things. And it's like, this, this is great. So I kept coming back every week. And eventually I started coming in early enough for the Bible study first, and then for the service. And this was um, my first day at the church was October 8th, 2006. And then by December, they found out that I played the guitar and asked me if I wanted to uh, play on their worship team. I, I was like sure but I don't know any Christian music I don't know any of this stuff but they were willing to teach me so I said sure so I started going to the practice and would very quickly pick up on the songs because you know a lot of Christian modern Christian music just basic chords uh-huh, uh-huh. and I was like okay I can do this and I eventually in the next few months after that uh was playing on the worship team every Sunday. Now going to church, I didn't really have nice clothes. But once I got on the worship team, I'm like, maybe I should go and buy some nicer clothes. So I started wearing the same thing every week, not the same actual clothes, but the same type. So I wore khakis and a polo shirt. It's neutral. It's, it's not feminine, but it's not masculine. It's kind of in between because I knew who I was, but I wasn't going to walk into church with a suit or anything on because at that point I wasn't out and the church did not like that they they made some choices over the next few years um, they would ask me to please grow my hair out if I could and maybe wear some feminine clothing and some earrings and maybe a little bit of makeup Oh. That's weird. Why are they Why are they asking me to do that? I mean, I'm I'm here to to learn about God and to serve God and to worship Him, and I'm. They're telling me what I that I need to wear something else. So, I invested in some more polo shirts, but this time, feminine colors. I got pink. I got purple. That didn't make a difference. See, I'm trying to think. It was I don't remember exactly when it was, but uh, the I asked the worship leader, "Could I please sing a few songs? You know, not not like lead a whole Sunday." And they're like, "No, okay, but that's it. No reason." And I said, "You know, okay. Well, I was just you know, because a lot of people, other people in the church, got to do solos, just a Mm -hmm. you know, one-time guest performance thing." Mm -hmm. I'm like, "I'm learning these songs, and I love Christian music." but they didn't give me a reason. And then a couple of years later, I asked again and they like, you know, you play the guitar. That's your, that's your job. Mm. And the worship leader and his backup singers, this is our job. We won't play your guitar and you don't sing. You get to do one thing and that's play the guitar. That's, that's kind of self-centered. It's like, that's, so you're saying that no one else can sing and I'm like well you know if you want to give up the guitar and just sing I'm like no I would rather play guitar but that's weird that is weird and it took a while but it, I realized it was because I looked different mm. so I had eventually moved to North Carolina in 2012 but in 2011 I had been thinking about it, but I didn't tell anyone and, you know, I was was like, this is, this is great. I just have to make the decision and pick where I'm going to move to, but don't tell anyone because, you know, these people, I don't know, it was something I just didn't want to say. And I was afraid of what they were going to say. So one day I'm after church, the, the pastor's wife comes up to me and says, well, you know, since you've been here for a while and and you know you're doing great here we'd like to take you to the store and I was like for for what and she goes well let's let's take you and get get you some more clothes like okay maybe they understand that I'm poor and can't afford clothes because I've been wearing the same three or four polo shirts and the same khakis every Sunday. So the pastor had given his wife the church credit card and i thought well that's weird but that's nice of the church to to pay for some clothes so i have new clothes and we get to the store and i notice right away that this is the store does not have a men's section it's oh, all no. yeah it's it's, <sighs> it's like dress barn yeah there's no men's clothing it's all women's I said, oh okay so we go in and I'm looking around and it's all girly, girly, girly clothes. And I said, can we just go to Walmart? And she goes, oh no, we're gonna find you some stuff here. And I did notice in the very back, they had maybe two racks of men's clothing. So I started heading that way. She goes, oh no, dear, we're over here. And she led me across the way, you know, cause I'm big. So obviously we had to go to the plus size section and she starts picking out blouses and slacks i'm like what on earth is going on here i said i I probably will not wear that oh you will oh okay and she says you know what size you wear and i told her and she just picked out outfits Mm -hmm. and none of which i was i knew i wasn't gonna wear it because they were hideous they were just not my style they were really super feminine I thought what is their intention this is the church credit card and they're buying all of this feminine clothing Are they telling me that they don't accept what I'm wearing mm-hmm. I just mentally and psychologically I felt like they were being really intrusive on my personal habits because I I mean I don't feel comfortable wearing that I told them that but they're they're forcing me to get this mm-hmm. Stuff. Mm-hmm. and then we go over to the shoe section and she gets me these know, boots, but they've got maybe three inch heels on them. Oh, my gosh. And I said, oh, no, I, I can't. I can't walk in those. There's, there's no way. Oh, you'll learn, she says. Well, OK. <laughs> um, no. She goes, well, we're going to get them because they go with every outfit we got today. Oh, wow. So frustrated. Mm. I was like, I can't say anything. I've tried. I've tried saying I will not wear these. Mm -hmm. and I just that was the point where I had decided yeah I really need to move and get away from these people Mm -hmm. and like they don't they don't if they won't let me dress the way I'm dressing they definitely won't accept me if I come out of the closet
0: did did you feel dismissed I mean just like what you wanted to say and what you were saying was just completely dismissed and and she would not even acknowledge your uncomfortableness and your dislike of what was happening.
1: Not only dismissed, but, you know, judged mm-hmm. for being who I was.
2: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: you know, what you say doesn't matter because we expect you to dress feminine. We expect you to wear earrings and grow your hair out and all this, mm-hmm. And I had long hair when I first went into that church, because when I, when I, I, I was told by my mother that it was grow your hair out and date men. That's how I was able to live at home. But when I moved into my first apartment, I gave it a month, month and a half. And that's when I cut my hair short again.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: when I first walked into that church, I had long hair. hmm and then about a month after that, I, I cut it off and I had short hair again. And so maybe when I first walked in, they accepted me. But then the minute I cut my hair, it's, oh, <laughs> you, know, you know that. Um, and, and I felt that like she was telling me that like, like my choices weren't appropriate for what they expected me mm-hmm, to look like. Mm-hmm. Eventually like that next spring so a few months later, I had made the decision. I said, yes, I'm, I'm going to move. I started making phone calls. And because of my medical conditions, I couldn't travel south, get an apartment, sign up for utilities, go back up north, pack everything up, and then drive back to the south. So once I had decided on a location to move to, uh, I, I made some phone calls. I explained to these people that physically I could not make the trip. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get an apartment and set up my utilities, but I'm coming down there for medical reasons. And and most of the people were completely understanding. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And when I told this church, Hey, I'm moving. I started being verbally judged. They weren't just holding it in now. They were Telling me, oh, you're you're moving to run away from your problems. I'm like, what problems am I running away from? I don't understand why they were saying that. Uh
2: Um
1: I don't know God, so I need to stay and and be a child of God before I can run away and do other things. And they kept using the term run away. Uh Wasn't running away from anything. Uh and the worship leader and his wife who i had become very close friends with for the longest time he would say you know you're ditching me you know we're we're really good friends and you're just going to pick up and ditch me mm. this is not about ditching you this th- this is mainly because i'd like to get help from my medical condition that no doctor in new york would even explore or do tests they just wrote it off as oh you know you it's all in your head, you need therapy. Uh, learn to wear diapers. That was what someone told me, uh, a doctor, uh, 25 years old. And he said, well, you know, I can understand you don't have any bowel control and just learn to wear diapers and you'll be fine. Oh my goodness. And one surgeon even said, well, I know what this disease is but I don't, know, I don't believe in surgical intervention. I believe in holistic medicine. So we're just gonna start with that. And they gave me edible clay and it was shipped from South South Africa. And I was like, okay, I'm eating the ground. <laughs> so moving like oh something I needed to do. Oh. So I picked up, I moved and a couple people uh, contributed money to help me move because i I was going to struggle i knew it but i was able to get enough money and help from other people to move without going into debt and i had emailed a few churches one church was the only church to respond and that was first united methodist Mm -hmm. and that's the church i currently attend but the closest church to my apartment was another church and it was listed as non-denominational and at the, at the time, the Methodist church scared me because I, I didn't know what it was. I, I thought it was more Catholic and mm-hmm. uh, they're, I thought they're more judgy, so no. So I went to this other church, but I didn't have a vehicle, so I needed a ride. So I contacted the church and I said, hey, I'd like to start coming to church. I live maybe a mile and a half down the road. Is there anyone that can pick me up and bring me to church? Well, they immediately found someone that volunteered. You know, I was like, Oh, this this is a nice church. This is, they'd not once commented on my clothes and how I was wearing my nice clothes, but they never said, Oh, well, aren't you going to grow your hair out? Aren't you going to do this? So I, I was, you know, attending for quite a while and I would attend all the services at that time. They had three services, and, was, and the people that I rode with volunteered there, so they were there for all three services. So I said, Why not? So I stayed eventually I expressed interest in joining the worship team. I said, well, you have to be here for two years before we can consider you for the, uh, you know, the auditions. Like, okay. So I kept going to church and I volunteered every time I had, you know, got a chance to finally got my own vehicle. So I was able to volunteer more and I was really dedicated into Mm -hmm. this church. Like Mm -hmm. I was just so happy to be there. Well, then it, Two years comes up, and I say, you know, again, hey, it's been two years. I'd like to audition for the worship team, and they're like, okay, well, we're about to have auditions, so we're just gonna have signups. So just time, you know, pick a time slot. Well, the the day of the auditions, I go in, and they're like, oh, you're not on the list, but I knew I had signed up, uh-huh. and I was like, okay, can, can I just stay and audition anyway and like well no you just to talk to for this person i said okay well the person that they told me to talk to was in charge of the auditions and she was the worship leader at the time and just to fill in so i go over and i talk to her and she goes she looked at me with this face and just said yeah um so we're not going to let you audition And I'm just standing there waiting for her to finish. Like, what are you going to say? And I said, well, I've been here for two years. You told me if I was here for two years and was dedicated to serving this church that you would let me audition. She goes, yeah, well, that's not going to happen. Because we don't believe that homosexuality should be allowed. And it's a sin. And it's not okay to be gay and on the worship team because then you're telling the congregation that it's okay to be gay
2: mm-hmm.
1: and have you you know and she and she basically said it's the way i look
2: mm-hmm.
1: so i look gay that's what she said mm-hmm. I, I was hurt and how i mean how do you react to that how do you someone tells you you look a certain way and they don't ask you if you're gay they just say oh well you look gay." So no, I said, well, I'd like to talk to the pastor about this. Oh, go ahead. He's, he's going to support my decision. And the, the entire staff did, they all believed that because
0: I look gay, it's not okay to be on the worship team. And you had not come out to them at all. So it was totally based on your appearance and not because you said you were gay.
1: And I had never, I haven't dated So I wasn't, I never dated anyone while I was going to that church. I never talked about my sexuality or gender, nothing, Mm -hmm. but it was because of the way I looked. Mm -hmm. I mean, they never tried to change it. They never said, grow your hair out and wear earrings and wear dresses and whatever, but they wouldn't let me audition even after they set stipulations that I had to be there for two years and serve the church. That was just to put you off. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe you'll put And I said, can I audition for something else, like the the tech booth or Mm -hmm. something else? And I had been volunteering for that two years as a greeter. And I would get there in the morning and unlock the doors. I would stay stay late after everyone else left and lock the doors, make sure all the lights were off. Um, At one point, I was running the little coffee station. And apparently that wasn't enough, and I felt so used because mm-hmm. that was my intention was to serve that church forever. Yeah, I didn't cry because that's not what I do, but I felt used. I mm-hmm. said, so "This this is not a godly church. This is not a church who who does that? Who tells somebody in a house of God?" that you look a certain way. So you're not welcome here. Yeah.
0: Well, you were welcome to do the work that was not the face of the church. You were, you were welcome to bring people in. You were welcome to serve the coffee. You were welcome to, you know, clean up after they all worshiped and did their thing. You were not worthy in their eyes to, to be the face of the church on the worship team.
1: Right it hurt
0: because oh, I, didn't, gosh, I didn't feel yes. rejected
1: by God. I felt rejected by God's people. Uh, yeah. And I knew I had to find a church that would, you know, accept me and love me unconditionally. Yeah. And it actually did happen, but in the weirdest way, um, I had gone to visit another church just to, just, to visit no intentions of actually going to church there i just wanted to see what other churches were like Mm -hmm. and kind of like chinese buffets you know not everyone is good (laughs) you have to go to everyone and just find the right one yep and uh so i i met this this guy and he's from the same area in new york that i'm from i was like that's cool so we had a lot to talk about and he was leading worship for one of their their Services for the Saturday night service at this church. I thought, this is perfect. It's Saturday night. I can still go to the other church Sunday morning, get my fill, because when when I don't go to church, I feel incomplete. Mm. I attended this Saturday night service. I expressed, you know, my desire to serve on a worship team. And they had enough guitar players, but asked me if I wanted to sing on occasion. I'm like, yes, please so i did uh, you know say i can play the guitar i'm willing to you know i know that people can't sing and play the guitar at the same time they looked at me funny but that's what my first church said Mm -hmm. they said well you have one job and that's the guitar you're not allowed to sing (laughs) so i knew i was like oh well i guess that doesn't apply to all churches So eventually I got to sing a couple of times and I felt like that was my way of honoring God because God gave me the ability to sing, but I just didn't feel like the church was the right spot, like that church. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then this friend says after a little bit, they're like, "Um, you know, I, I got hired by First United Methodist. Come and join us. We're starting a modern service. I said, Oh, I don't know. Cause you know, I've never been to a Methodist church. I don't know what they're like. He goes, trust me, just just come and sit through a service. You're going to love it. And he was right. I went to a traditional service where the choir was there and it was beautiful. And I, I immediately, it felt different than all the other churches I've been like walked in the building. It was just something different. I was like, okay, I'm going to think about it because I really loved this church. But do I want to leave this church that I've been going to for two years and, you know, giving my life to? Uh-huh. Even, and, that's, and that's part of abuse is you get so comfortable in your spot that you're afraid. Like I was afraid I was going to get more crap uh-huh. for leaving. Uh-huh. Like I did with the very first church when I decided to move to North Carolina and that fear that fear stuck with me like this i don't want to take off church cuz
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know they i can go to hell for that mm. and i didn't know what to do i my friend said just pray about it and don't rush it
2: mm-hmm.
1: okay and this was like march or april and the modern service wasn't starting until october so I had some time to pray about it and just let God show me what's right for me.
2: Right.
1: Well, at, between March and October, I was moving. I, I got the call that an apartment opened up and it was a handicap accessible apartment. And like, okay, I've been on the waiting list for eight months, nine months. I I made the trip downtown to see it and something just deep down said, take this apartment. I felt safe here. Uh, it was in a good location. It was well lit and it was downtown where there are sidewalks and thought, Oh, you know, where I used to live was in the middle of nowhere and surrounded by wooded areas. There's no sidewalks and it's, you know, at night you'll hear gunshots. So I just felt like, God was saying, here's your chance. Take this. Mm -hmm. So I did. Mm -hmm. But that also put me closer, like extremely close to this other church that, which I didn't realize at the time, but it put me close to this church that was starting the modern service. Uh like, oh, so I said, you know, I told my friend that I met at this other church. I said, hey, you know, I would love to come to First Shenan Methodist. So when the service starts, let me know and I'll be there. Then I also asked him for help moving a couch because I needed to get this extremely uncomfortable couch out of my apartment and somewhere else, just around the corner, donate it. And then someone else was bringing a couch to me. They were donating a couch to me that was comfortable. And that was like a a housewarming gift. I get this knock on my door and it's, this friend and the pastor I didn't know she was the pastor but my friend goes hey this is Reverend Linda Ferguson she's the pastor of First United Methodist <laughs> I'm like uh and you're here to help me move my couch <laughs> like pastors don't do this uh-huh. <laughs> and very quickly went from fear to oh this is what godly people do. And I immediately, you know, sunk down like, oh, I'm forcing a pastor to move my couch. But it's not that it's these previous churches had it ingrained in me that pastors were up on a pedestal. Uh They were the next step down from God. Uh And this is not the case. And I learned that very quickly after I started attending First and Methodist. Mm-hmm. because now not once have I felt unwelcome all that past abuse I didn't look at it as abuse until I started going to this church and realizing that everyone was trying to Stockholm syndrome was, mm-hmm. they were trying to force their beliefs onto me even though they weren't Christian beliefs and then I would believe it Mm -hmm. And I fell for it. And I was like, oh, well, I can't do any different. This is how it is supposed to be. And it's not. Well, you know, it's very
0: seductive, isn't it? It's very seductive. And it's not that you fell for it because you're not intelligent. You're highly intelligent. But emotionally, you were craving something that they looked like they were offering. And then they twisted it into getting you so vulnerable and so off your game that... They began to think for you. It was very seductive. So
1: I look back at some of these past experiences at other churches and wonder like what happened to those people? Do they still go to that church? You know, I moved down here and was unfriended on Facebook by every member of my old church. Mm-hmm. I was uh, sitting there going, okay, that's that's Christian like. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm permanently. Scarred because mm-hmm. of these past experiences. Even though I'm fine now, like, like I am okay. I know that, especially younger kids, like late teens, early twenties, they're trapped. Mm. I mean, even older people, they're trapped because it's that stereotype that a church is a godly place, and you can't abandon your church. I look at it as I, I wasted eight years of my life going to wrong churches just to find the right church. But that's eight years of torture. Mm -hmm. And I still, I still second guess myself. Like, what if I had left that church? What if I moved earlier? Would I be happy? What if, what if I had gone to a different church in my hometown? Would I have ended up moving Would I have ended up coming out of the closet eventually? I don't know but that fear of for the longest time not being able to come out because that first church told me oh well you look a certain way so you can't do anything so you're just going to sit back there and play the guitar you can't sing you can't you can't be up in front singing Mm because guitar is your job and then the second church here you know just telling me that yeah you, you can volunteer but You know, you can't be on the worship team because we don't want people to see a gay person up there. Mm -hmm. Now, had they asked me, they would realize that I'm not gay. And we talked about that last time. Right, right. And, you know, some people want clarification. And I've been asked that multiple times since the last podcast. Mm -hmm. And why is it that I don't identify as gay? And I try to explain that I've known I was born assigned female at birth, but I was a boy and I've always been a boy and that's hard for people to grasp. Mm -hmm. So some of these people that, um, I went to at this last church are actually friends with me now because even though they went to this church, they still believe that God does not make mistakes and that you are allowed to be who God made you. Mm -hmm. And some of them, a lot of them don't go to that church anymore. Mm -hmm. but they they left because they saw the way that other people were being treated i left because of the way i was being treated Mm
0: -hmm. well and you know my question is that this other church that judged your looks without even knowing anything about you and churches that say well you look gay so you can't they're not going to be very welcoming to transgender people either are they right Because they are the ones that say, and we can tell it by the laws that are being made now, is that um, transgender people are not included in the laws that protect people. The rights of transgender people are being taken away severely. And um, one of the folks that that, um, follows the Gay With God podcast was talking about in England, they were trying to stop conversion therapy. And it was upheld that they would stop conversion therapy. And my next question was, did they include the transgender community in that? And they did not. And, you know, all across the States, it's becoming more and more um, scary for the transgender part of our community. And even in the LGBTQ community, the T part of all of that alphabet mafia, as my friend calls it, is sometimes suspect, you know, it's the same as in the African-American community where some people are judged for being too light or for talking too white or, you know, there's judgment and in the community and in our community, it's the same way. There are so many people who, you know, okay, it's all, all gay rights and all, but, you know, we don't know about the transgender and it's just, it just continues in all these little pockets that we are, and I love how you we are created to be who we are created to be. And you were created to be male, but everybody assigned you female. And you have a right to live as freely and with as many rights as everybody else. So here's my question. If you were to leave the Methodist church, if something were to go tragically wrong and you felt like you could no longer be at home there, would you feel afraid to try a different church?
1: Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um I know of one other inclusive church in Ashborough. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's the Episcopal <laughs> Church.
0: Yay, <laughs> um, hey, yay, my church. <laughs> it
1: has to be with the people and not not so much the church, but the yeah, people. Yeah. Yeah. And because I know a lot of good people that go to that church, uh-huh. I would probably start there. Uh-huh. But, you know, I know this whole church split because uh-huh. of certain beliefs. Uh-huh. Um, you know, First United Methodist is all inclusive. Uh-huh. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that Linda Ferguson has made such a huge impact on the progress being made at First United mm-hmm. Methodist yes, in Ashborough. but, you know, we have other Methodist churches that aren't so much and they, they're, they're splitting off and it's, it's like, okay, but how can you, how can you say that, well, we're splitting off because we don't believe that, you know, LGBTQ people have the same rights or it's not okay for our pastors to have to perform gay marriages it's not okay for our pastors to be openly lgbtq Uh it's just not acceptable but then turn around and say oh we will we love everybody equally Uh -uh. it's an oxymoron (laughs) and i and i hate that word but it's it's spitting Uh because you can't say that Uh and you know i i have been to another church in Ashboro that they know they know that i'm transgender and they love me Actually, they love my dog too. Um, <laughs> they they love me unconditionally, and it's just harder for them to grasp it because the congregation is is an older congregation, mm-hmm. and I know it's a generational thing. But they try, and they all call me JP or Jackson, and they they love me unconditionally. So I know that that's three churches in Ashboro that are inclusive. I hate that so many people these days are in churches or even afraid to go to church because of that reason because you know lgbtq people even even just uh uh, what was it It was on tiktok it's i I swear this is related it's not a squirrel moment (laughs) i was on tiktok last night just flipping through like no, no boring oh dogs and i would watch the dog video well I came up on a video and it was a a gentleman on the street and he was interviewing random people on the street about alphabet mafia. Uh And this woman says, oh, I'm an LGB activist. The guy, the guy was confused. He's like, oh, like the Russian mafia. And she goes, no, that's the KGB. LGB is lesbian, gay and bisexual. He goes, well, what What about the rest of the letters? You know, TQAI plus. She goes, oh, no, no, I I, I don't believe in that. But she fights for the rights of LGB people, but the, not the rest.
2: <laughs> oh and
1: she said the rest of the spectrum are all straight people. What? Yeah. She said only LGB are, you know, in her realm. After that, T Q A I plus are all straight people. I'm like, she must be confused. Uh-uh. Uh. And it was, but it was hilarious to watch because this the interviewer who was definitely gay <laughs> looked the, the look of confusion on his face, and I'm just laughing at this video because this woman is full of nonsense. Uh-huh. I mean, if you're gonna be an activist for LGB, but you're gonna be you know, excluding other parts of the Alpha Mafia, then you're not an activist. You're not a, a pro anything. You're an idiot.
0: <laughs> well, and that just, that just reaffirms that even in our community, there are people that are still excluding and judging the lives of others. Um, and, you know, I, I have no idea what it's like to be straight. I know what it's like to pass for straight. I know what it's like to believe I was straight but I don't really know how it feels to be a straight woman because I've never felt the same things that other straight women feel. And that's, that's the difference. You know, we talked about this last time too, that that's the difference that, that we are hot wired differently to have certain attractions, to have certain, mannerisms and when we are left alone to be who we were created to be we will find our balance and we'll find what fits us but dressing us up and putting makeup on I tried I tried to wear dresses I tried to wear makeup I just never felt right and I tried but I it's just not who I am I don't like it and I don't and I don't do well wearing it because I forget I have it. <laughs> Although sometimes it felt like I had like a, a mask on my face that it was, it, I couldn't breathe as well <laughs> when I wore makeup. I just couldn't breathe. <laughs> but um, it's, I, I wanted to ask you this question, and I know we're getting close to time and you've got other obligations. But um, what, to you, what is the difference between inclusivity, like I'm, I'm, the, they are an inclusive church and an affirming church? What would be the difference to you? Because in my mind, when you said this one church, who's struggling to figure out your your transgender status and and who you are, that they're not understanding, they don't get it, but they're inclusive. So what's the difference between inclusivity and and affirming?
1: To me, the difference would be inclusive is everyone is welcome, no matter who you are. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But an affirming church, which First United Methodist, and if the Episcopal church are affirming. To me, affirming means not only accepting, but they're willing to support you in every part of your journey. Uh So if that, you know, inclusive, you know, you can be gay and walk in our doors and we love you unconditionally. Uh Affirming, you can, you want to get married and no one else will Officiate your wedding because you're gay, but the church will.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or, you know, you need help with something, and you're you're struggling with your identity, and the pastor will sit down with you, and say it's okay, and here's the scripture that says it's okay to be who you are because God made you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's to me, that you know, I, I've I've seen a lot of inclusive churches. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the thing is until they find out that you're part of the the mafia, and then all of a sudden they're inclusive, but they're
0: not like, you know, But they're going to pray to fix you. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. You're included and you can come here. We welcome you. We love everybody, but we're still going to pray for you because you're sinning and at your church and my church, they're not praying uh, the gay away because they know they don't need to. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So technically, uh, I should say they are inclusive and affirming churches.
0: Yes. 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 Yeah, and there's a difference. <laughs> there's and, a difference.
1: and I do I do see now, you know, now that I'm in the right place, I see that these past churches even though their intentions were good, mm-hmm. they just there's something about them that says, "Oh, you know what? They're not inclusive or affirming." Uh-uh they're fearful. Yeah. And, and I've heard multiple times from several of those churches, how I'm going to go to hell. And my first thought was at least I'll be in good company because most of my friends will be with me. I can laugh about it, but yeah, it's just, that's all I think about. And because I never really went to church as a child, I didn't learn this stuff until I was in my late twenties and then thirties. And I'm still learning at 43 you know i'm yeah. i'm learning what it means to be a good christian mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and people ask me you know oh well how does first united methodist feel about you being transgendered i was like well they don't care like they mm-hmm. they they accept me for who i am they don't sit there and go oh you know they have a transgender person working there no that's not what it's about it's as soon as I told my pastor she said okay what do you want to be called and what do you need from me first nice and I was nice. not expecting it. I was expecting the same stuff that I heard in the past which was yep. no you're not allowed to you know you have to dress like a girl you have to date men mm-hmm. nope and it was just I was like oh I, I I I didn't know what to say I stammered I was like uh, uh uh i I, I don't know <laughs>
0: I like, nobody's ever asked me what I wanted to be called
1: <laughs> and I, I knew a name that I wanted because I picked kind of out since I was a little kid
0: uh-huh.
1: and i I t- told her and I was like I, I this is what I want my name to be but and that's when she said well you know how about JP because it's cooler- uh-huh. so I was like oh but she said you know nicknames are cooler and jp so she started calling me jp Uh and you know i use jackson when it's something official like Uh paperwork and whatnot but everyone at church calls me jp Uh and there are people there that don't know i'm transgender i mean if they listen to this they're gonna know yep um and i have had a few people tell me uh when i came out to them oh yeah we can tell but can you (laughs) i mean you suspected yeah, but I mean, you can't you can't look at someone and say, "Oh yeah, they're transgender." Oh yeah, they're bisexual. Oh yeah, yeah that person's gay. Mm-hmm. You just don't know. Yeah. So at it, 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 this church, I don't get that. I I get complete acceptance and love, unconditional love. And this is this is what church should be like.
0: Yes, I'm so happy that you came to tell your story and go a little bit deeper into that pain that you felt there. And you're absolutely right that it doesn't have to be physical abuse. And the thing that separates physical abuse in my mind and mental abuse is that people can see on the outside, the trauma that you've been through when you're physically abused, there are bruises, there are broken bones, there are cuts. Mental abuse is cutting into the heart. And the damage that is done there does not heal the same way because it doesn't get the same um, attention. You can go your whole life with deep emotional pain, and no one will ever know it. And yet, that pain, like you says, can scar you for a very long time and completely change how you feel about yourself and how you feel about the future. And I'm so happy that you were led. To north carolina i'm happy that you were led to linda ferguson's church and that you found affirmation for who you are and we love you and we keep trying to steal you away from them so that you can (laughs) work at our church because you're so smart and tech (laughs) but i'm so happy i'm so happy that you have found your home and that you have found you know a place where you can be all that you have always been, which is an amazing person, an awesome man, and a gentle soul that gives back to the community in so many ways. And I'm so proud of you, JP. I'm so proud of you.
1: <laughs> well and I would like to end with um, a little bit of scripture that has yes become please. One of my favorites because it doesn't matter how much abuse we go through, whether it's from family, are from our church family, our biological family, our friends. It's Colossians 1, 13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Amen. That's it. That's, that's, that's what, matters. That's what it, matters. Whatever situation we're in, whatever situation we are afraid to leave, we, uh, we have that opportunity. We just need to take it. Mm -hmm. And it's terrifying to take that step to get away from abusive situations, whether it's church, family, friends. And I know a lot of people don't have the resources to do it or the strength because it does take a lot. Mm -hmm. But for people like us, we are willing to help others learn from our horrible experiences so maybe they don't have to go through that. Maybe they know that down the road, there's hope. Yes. Yes. And that's, that's, that's the whole point of, of some of these. And that's, that's why I wanted to tell my story about some of this, because mm-hmm. there are people that I know are trapped for various reasons. And yes. That's we need to be here for each other.
0: Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that and I appreciate that you are willing to go deeper because that was hard to do, but it, you're right, you're a light to other people. So thank you for honoring us with your with your whole story. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. And guys, thank you, you listeners, for coming back each week, supporting, sharing, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see more information and links to connect with JP, just go to the Gay With God show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com and you'll see how you can get connected. If you are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with God, if you are authentically LGBTQIA+, God has always been within you, even when you didn't know it, you have always been. Gay with God. Thank you everybody. And I'll see you next week, but stay tuned to hear how you can join the Gay with God community. Check out our Facebook group, Gay with God. There's a monthly Zoom meeting that happens there called Faith Journey, and you are welcome to join. And also um, remember that we have the Wild Goose Festival coming up and go to that Um, show page and email me if you are interested in being my live guest at The Wild Goose. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week. Love you. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.